I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Neil Patel. He's the co-founder of Crazy Egg, Hello Bar, as well as Quicksprout.com and Kissmetrics. He helps companies like Amazon, NBC, GM, HP, and Viacom grow their revenue. The Wall Street Journal calls him a top influencer on the web. Forbes says he's one of the top 10 online marketers. And Entrepreneur Magazine says he created one of the 100 most brilliant companies in the world. He was recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama and one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 35 by the United Nations. Neil has also been awarded congressional recognition from the United States House of Representatives, with good reason too, considering he's driven over 800 million wallet-out, ready-to-buy visitors to his and his clients' websites. He's also known for his down-to-earth personality, his innovative marketing techniques, and for putting out world-class content. Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's definitely an honor and a pleasure. We spoke a couple of times now. Um, I've seen you on stages. I'm a big fan of your stuff. I'm a big fan of your ethics and your modality and your very scientific like approach to marketing and growing revenues. So it's very much an honor and a pleasure to be able to ask you some questions. Um, now, not a lot of people, some people know your story, but not a lot of them. Before you became, you know, this guru driving 800 million wallet out ready to buy visitors to people's websites, what were you doing, like, when you were a teenager? Uh, I was just trying to figure out how to make money on the internet. As a teenager, I wanted to be rich, and I didn't know how to make money by getting a job, so I started a website. <laughs> no one came to it, but I had to learn how to market. That's like Got I got it. Got it. So what were you trying to peddle when you were a kid? What were you, trying, what were you selling? My first all, my very first online website, I was selling cable boxes that would make it so you don't have to pay for cable TV. It's probably not the best <laughs> thing to try to sell online. Right, right, right. <laughs> Got it. So what happened? You just had no visitors, and what did you try? Like, did you figure anything out? Well, the business wasn't ethical or legitimate, so eventually, like, I stopped. Actually, I didn't even make one sale online. But I, I stopped doing it. And I was like, you know what? I should post something more long-term. I'm young. Why not just do more long-term stuff? And then I started a job board. It didn't work out because no visitors came. And that's when I really mm. learned about online marketing because I paid a few companies with whatever money I saved up from working at Knox Ferry Farm and selling vacuums door-to-door. Didn't do a good job, so I just had to learn how to do it on my own. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So what was your progression? How did you learn to do it on your own? Were there stages that you went through? Well, I just practiced it on my own website. So I'd read online. I would talk to other people in the marketing industry, learn from them, and then just implement on my own website. And then I'd be like, oh, what they said worked, or oh, I didn't get any results from it. So it doesn't work. That's how I learned. Got it. it. 
Got it. Got it. Yeah. A lot of trial and error, which makes sense. So, I mean, it's trial and error and a lot of hours and making sure you're surrounded by smart people. And now a lot of people consider you as one of those smart people they want to be surrounded by. So, so, okay. So what happened next? So you started testing things out with a more long-term thing. You said the job board. Um, what happened after that? Like, how did your kind of career evolve? Yeah, I started doing consulting. I got pretty good at the traffic acquisition side, and I decided that I should just focus on that. But from there, I got tired of doing consulting for other companies, mm-hmm. so I started getting into figuring out how to create software. With mm-hmm. consulting, someone pays you for six months or a year or two years, they may churn. With software, they use software. If they like it, they keep paying month over month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, software is much more long-term. I should do that. And instead, started getting into that. And then software started eventually taking off. And I was like, oh, wow, I should just focus on creating software. I enjoy this more. love the product. People use it. Get very little complaints. Why not just create more software? Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And that explains where you got into Crazy Egg and Kiss Metrics and Hello Bar and stuff like that. So got it. Okay. So what were kind of the big kind of challenges in your business career? I mean, obviously there was an evolution, a progression you went through. It sounds like with the consulting, you know, you probably had either some frustrations or because you, you probably weren't looking for a solution when, or maybe you were when things, and you kind of already told me the answer before this call. So maybe I'm cheating a bit, but you know, how did you come to develop those software programs when you were already getting, because you're already getting paid by people, you know, well, I just crazy. Want to... it was really simple. It was people were coming to us and they were saying, you're driving us more traffic, but why aren't they converting it? I'm like, I don't know. So we created crazy <laughs> what people are clicking and where they're not. Because I didn't know right. much about PRO at the time. I eventually learned it all. Hmm. But it just takes time. That's like, that's how crazy it came about. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Which is a great tool, by the way. I've used it to bump my numbers on a number of campaigns. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Like the new versions of Crazy have been getting better and better. We just released mm-hmm. A/B testing. It's very minimal version. We got to re- roll it out to everyone and improve upon it quite a bit. And then we're releasing some stuff that should help people improve their user experience quite a bit as well. Now, I guess from a software tech side, is there? I mean, do you wait for perfection before you roll it? I mean, you already said you have to improve it a little bit, but you're already talking about rolling it out to anyone. So how do you know when something's ready to launch? I know there's a lot of people that they oh, teeter. Sorry, go ahead. We roll it out to a percentage of our customer base, get feedback, and then we roll it out to more and more. Got it. So you do like just a percentage-based rollout and slowly just increase with as you can keep up with the feedback. Is that kind of correct? That's correct. Got it. Okay. Well, that sounds like a simple formula. Um so what other challenges have you had in your business? Have you had any big challenge? I mean, it sounds like, obviously, like you said, you got really good. You found out you weren't getting visitors. You figured that out, trial and error, trial and error, studying more visitors, realized you can probably make more money doing it for other people because they might have different, better, or, you know, just a variety of offers than what you had. And they were doing the consulting. Some of the people were asking, why aren't, you know, I'm getting visitors and they're not converting. Why not? You're like, I don't know. Let's make some software, find it out. Now you've got this great product. You roll that out. Have there been any like big challenges that this progression presented to you or that you've experienced since then? Oh yeah. The, the huge, prog- the biggest problem that we ran into, we didn't know how to grow software when we first started out. We're like, we're releasing software. It's costing us money every month and no one's paying for it. What do we do? And we were running mm. into all these issues. Eventually we figured out how to grow it. Like you market, you do content marketing, 
you know, create social media profiles, provide great customer service, keep building a better product, et cetera. But it took us a long mm. time to figure it out. Even now, we know how to grow these software companies, but we're still trying to improve. There's no reason why we can't keep learning more and more, try to figure out how to grow faster and mm-hmm. just make a better experience for people. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's very well said. That's very well said. So what advice would you give someone if they're listening to this and they think they've got a software tool and they're, you know, they're just starting out? Is there, is, can there be a software tool that's too simple? Uh, can there be software tools that are too complex? Is there a good way to, like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you assess, like, how do you do that analysis to, you know, should I go, not go? Do I need more features, less features? Uh, we have uh, product managers and product managers, they continually get feedback for customers or potential customers and figure out what to add in there. Then on our end, what we also do is we do a lot of testing. So we read articles that are online of other software companies or people talking about the marketing tactics that they've used that help them grow. And we'll try to implement it out, run A-B tests. They'll either work or they won't. Hmm. Okay. 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 So it's just get something that's kind of ready for someone to get in the driver's seat for, give it to them, see if they break it, fix it, and then try and sell it. Well, you know, once you've got the major it's not bugs even, out of the way. Break it. You may have features that work really well, but if they're confusing for a user, then it's not going to work. So it's just about adapting too. It's mm. if you have an A/B testing tool and it works perfectly fine. Okay, so Google Analytics. You can do A/B testing in Google Analytics. But, you know, there's one big problem in the whole A-B testing market. People don't know what to test. It doesn't matter if the tool is perfect. If you can't tell people what to test and how to test it and why it's important, then they weren't, they're not going to use it. So then training and education becomes really important for marketing your, your software as well as for educating your existing clients. That makes sense. Exactly. Yep. Got it. Okay. So you get, uh, you've done a ton of consulting. You've been on a lot of stages. You get a lot of people reaching out to you, asking you for help and advice and tips. Do you feel that people make a lot of the certain common mistakes? And if you do, what are they? The biggest mistake people make is they make changes based off of assumption or what they hear from one person or another versus without testing and looking at their own business. Just because something mm-hmm. worked for someone that's a competitor, even in my own space, it doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that's well said. How do you know when you've got enough data for a conclusive test, though? Like if someone's really new, you know, they've, they're brand new to this or something like that, and they're like, you know, how many visitors do I need? How many? Oh, oh I'm going to cough. Oh, well, a software will tell you it's statistically significant. If it's not, then you just move on. There's also an A-B testing tool on uh, neilpatel.com that I give out for free. It'll, it's mm. a calculator. It tells you if the test needs to run longer or if it hasn't or if you need to change anything. So that's for pay, split testing your pages, right? But what and about with the pages? Like, it's a calculation on if you have enough visitors or the data is enough for you to end the test. Got it. Oh, so I could even use that if I'm trying to get people, again, if it's not even a website thing, if I'm just trying to test the, the validity of a, of a concept or idea. Um, like you and I get online marketing really well, but I think for some people, if they're just looking for like the foundational business skills or tools to, you know, how do I get up and running? How do I know if my idea is valid? How hard do I keep trying to sell my idea until I give up on it? You know, things like that. I guess that's kind of where I was going with that too. What would you recommend for that? I mean, when you go to launch, you know, when you go to launch Hello Bar, you just, how did, you knew it was going to be successful beforehand because you got enough, it was built for based on people's feedback and, 
online research or was it something that, you know, one of a few things that you've launched that either, you know, failed or, or took off? Well, with Hellobar, we acquired the company from someone else who already launched it. And then we we're like, oh, if we take feedback, we can improve this product by a lot more and grow it faster. Mm, 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 mm. Got it. So what are the ways that you guys collect customer feedback then? To collect customer feedback? Well, when yeah, we try to collect you... customer feedback, we do it through either Qualaroo, SurveyMonkey, or we manually call and email people. Got it. Okay, okay, okay. So Qualaroo, SurveyMonkey, or you call and email people. And that's a big uh, component, it sounds like, to everything you do, obviously. You sound very people-oriented, very user-oriented. Um, I even sensed like some, uh, I don't know if it's frustration, but just you, you seem very adamant in your opinion that, you know, your tool could work perfectly, but if people don't get it or know how to use it or why they should use it. So it sounds like that's been like a, a, a common or recurring theme in some of the work that you've done that and getting that data. So it sounds like you, you rely very heavily on user data for, for all the projects that you do. Is that correct? It is. And the other thing that we end up doing too is we educate a lot by blogging on each of our companies. So every single website we have, other than Hello Bar, because it's owned by Crazy Egg, has a blog. And then the Crazy Egg blog will be a Crazy Egg slash Hello Bar blog eventually. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So do you feel that you have certain habits that you feel have helped you on your path through growing these different software companies and rising the notoriety? even in the early days when you're just learning and applying and kind of learning through trial and error? Yeah, that's really all I do is learn through trial and error. You put it on your site, you see what happens, and then you go from there. Nowadays, too, I also learn by just uh, following other people. Like <clears throat> reading blogs or looking at competitor sites and seeing what they're doing, just keeping track of everything. Mm, 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 mm. So how did you ever have any like role models or anyone to help you out? When you were getting started, anyone that you, you know, that was a mentor that really helped you when you were learning before, before you were someone people turned to was, you know, who were the mentors that you looked to when you were coming up? There was one main mentor. His name was Andy Liu. He taught me a lot about business during my early years. Like what? Um, I'm trying to actually think about like what I can say versus can't say. So, right. so a good example of this is when I was starting out and I was doing business deals, I wasn't the best negotiator, mm. and he taught me the fundamentals about negotiation. Mm. And the trick he taught me is the way you've ended with a good deal is when both parties are smiling. So in negotiations, mm. everyone tries to get the best deal for themselves. But the thing is, that if you can make sure that both parties are really happy, you can keep continually doing business, and there's more long-term potential than if you just go in there and be greedy and make sure that it's the best deal for you and for no one else. And when you also mm. negotiate, Sometimes when you realize if the deal's too good to be true and it's great for you and it sucks for the other person, it won't last long either. You also have to mm -hmm. look at things from a long-term perspective. Hmm. But that's just like one of the things that he taught me as well. He also helped me when I was going through lawsuits. He taught me about venture capital and how to raise money, how to make decks, uh, how people invest in others that they know. He was just teaching me a lot of this kind of stuff over the years. So what do you think are some of the critical skills? If you... <clears throat> had to pass on your business lessons to a son or a daughter, what kind of things would you want to make sure that they knew? You could only teach them three or four, three to three to five things. What sort of things would you want them to know really, really, really well? Speed is important. So the faster you move, the better off you are. Two, it's harder to make money than it is to save it. So be cautious with your dollars. And three, when you find the right opportunity, don't be afraid to go all in. It's either go big or go home. 
because to swing for a home run takes almost as much effort as it does to swing for a single or a double. So might as well go for the mm-hmm. home run. I like that. <laughs> you were quick with that one. You must have some notes there or something. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> or maybe that's just why they pay you the big bucks, right? I don't know about that, but I've got asked that question enough times where I usually have a good response for it. Good thing about okay. I do I do at least probably like seven or eight interviews a week. Oh wow. So Adds up fast, and you get a lot of the same questions. A lot of yours are actually unique, but you learn how to think on the spot, too. Right, right, right. So what do you think are some of the most useful things that people have asked you about? What do you mean, some of the most useful things people have asked me? Well, you say that you get interviewed a lot. So there's probably interviews that you do where, you like you know, you, like you say, you get asked a lot of the same questions. But there's, So there's frequently asked questions, but those can also be frequently answered questions. So I don't know, like, what do you feel sometimes are the things that are important, the information that you have to share with people? Like, I don't know if you get what I mean by that, but what I mean just is instead of just being kind of the mundane day-to-day interview where everyone asks you the four or five same questions, what are the questions that you think really kind of help get to the heart of things? I mean, because a lot of these people want to interview you because they feel you've got knowledge that can help others. What do you feel that? A lot of one of the questions that I get asked a lot that is really useful, my favorite one, is what I see the big trend in online marketing. And I can't emphasize this enough because most people just don't get it. They think that the U.S. is an end-all, be-all. There's 300 and something million people in the U.S., fraction of the world's population. Yes, the U.S. has a great GDP, high spending power. There's money to be made in the U.S. But it's also one of the most competitive markets because everyone is going after it. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying don't go into the U.S., but I'm saying, have you ever thought about expanding overseas? For example, I'm mm-hmm. translating my blog into Portuguese, so that way anyone in Brazil can read it. If you mm-hmm. look at like your Google search console, you'll mm-hmm. see that you can get a lot of traffic from all these international search engines, and your click-through rates, your percentages are really high. The reason being is there's not that much competition. Sure, they may not have the spending power as the U.S., but why not go after all these other countries? Because you should be able to come up with a product or service that's profitable enough within that region, and there's extra money to be made, and it's not that competitive. Hmm. So I think over the next year or two, you'll start seeing a lot more people expanding. Yeah, I think you're right, especially as more and more people start coming onto the Internet and more and more people start waking up to exactly what you said, the, the fact that you can generate traffic in other places where there's no competition. I have a client, he's like the David D'Angelo in Latin America, you know, dating advice guy, and it's he's got no competitors. And it's, it's a good thing for him because he's built this massive list, a massive following, but at the same time, it frustrates him because he's got he finds it hard to find people to JV with or people that he can align align himself with because of that. So, I think you're right. I think that's that's uh, there's pros and cons to that, but it's definitely I mean there's a lot of potential if you've got an empty market and no competitors and you've got a proven you know proven prop, either process a product or service. So, um, what else? What else you got, Neil? Yeah, and when you're doing the translation, make sure you do it manually. Automated software stuff for it. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> As for the other big trend that I'm seeing is focusing on going above and beyond. Like I rank number one on Google for all my marketing, not because I built more links or any of that. I just created better content that was more thorough, put a slapped a better design on it, and people are like, oh, it would take too much work to copy this. Exactly. That was hmm. the approach that I was trying to take because I don't want people to copy me. And I'd rather go to the extreme because then I can outrank everyone else in my space. 
Mm. It's almost like the strategy of preeminence. So you just wanted to make sure that your stuff was so good and you were willing to go the extra mile that way you were just untouchable and that it would rise to the top. And you've done that a lot. You've got created a lot of viral stuff. You put out a lot of great quality content, really been able to serve the end users. Some people are afraid of doing that. They're afraid of giving away too much for free because then they're like, what am I going to sell? Does that, does that ever crap? Has that ever crossed your mind at all? Yeah, it does. But what I see it as, you know, I don't worry about it. You're going to lose some sales because of it, but you also gain some sales on the front end too, or because you'll get more traffic. So it kind of like bounces itself out. And usually you'll get more sales than what you lose by giving it all away. Now, you said that you mastered traffic generation and you've got 800 million uh, ready-to-buy visitors. So for you, can you just wax poetic about traffic for a little bit? I mean, if someone's, again, if they're up and running and they've got a great product, they've got something that really helps people, but they don't know how to get the world to know about it, and they're sitting there with their website with no visitors, you know, what do you recommend they do? Do they just start pumping out a bunch of articles? You know, do they do a bunch of guest blogging? Uh, I'll make it really simple. Go, go write one really piece of good content that you think people love to read. Go to BuzzSumo or go to Twitter search. Find out all the people who tweeted similar articles. Just put in keywords in Twitter search. It'll show you all the people who tweeted similar articles. Look at their bio. Find the email addresses for whatever percentage of the Twitter users you can that tweeted that similar type of article. And emailing them out saying, Hey, John, I noticed that you tweeted, you know, X, Y, Z article last week by, you know, X mm-hmm. author or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I actually have a similar piece of content coming out and I cover A, B, and C that they didn't cover. I think you would actually love it. Let me know if you want a sneak preview. And that's it. And a lot of people will be like, yeah, I would love that. And then I reply back with, here it is. Enjoy it. Feel free to share it if you uh, like the content. It's like a simple mm-hmm. pattern that works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just create world-class quality stuff. Find out who's already sharing it. And the tools you said, BuzzSumo, what was the other one? Twitter search. Twitter search. So using BuzzSumo, Twitter search to find the key influencers and just give it to them and just, just let them do what they already do, you know, because it sounds like they already like to share quality stuff. So if you just make world-class stuff, connect with the sharers of the mavens, the people that are the connectors, <laughs> and just distribute it through them. Got it. Now, the other thing that I, I appreciate that you said there, and a lot of people may not take the analogies, I feel like I have a personal theory, and correct me if I'm wrong, by all means, but I feel like the online world models the offline world more and more and more. So almost even what you said, it's just almost the way that you would do something in a local town or city. If you were to launch something locally and you wanted the local market to know about it, you would try to make it really good, and you would get all the big players that had all the local people's attention and share it through them. And it sounds kind of like what you're exactly what you're doing. You're just doing it in an online version. So although the tool names might sound confusing or the formats might be new to people, it's nothing really beyond what you would do in your own network. Is that is that true? Do you agree with that? Yes, you got it right. I would agree with that. Okay. So I guess what I want to know now then is, do you feel that you've ever had anything holding you back? What were the things that you wish you had done or, or done sooner or stopped doing sooner? I didn't focus enough. I tried doing too many things at once. I still have that problem. If I focused feel- on, my, on one business, I would have gone much further in my career and made way more money. 
Really? So you think even just one project, the famous copywriter Gene Schwartz, he's got a, the only seminar footage of him that's available anywhere. He says that he feels an entrepreneur should have three projects going at all times because you'll share ideas through them. But I also understand that that's a huge thing, especially with online marketers. It's always a shiny object syndrome. But you feel that if you could just focus on one business, that would be enough for you. Would you feel, would you feel stifled at all? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it a catch 22 in the sense of where yeah, but focus on- if you want to create a big business, there's not enough time to do more than one. So if you had to start all over again, what would you do? <clears throat> I don't know. I'll just pick one of them, maybe like a crazy egg or something like that. Just focus all my energy on it and nothing else. Do you believe in exiting a business or are you kind of a buy and hold guy? I'm a big believer. You just do whatever makes sense during the time. So if someone wants to buy your business and offer you a crazy, ridiculous amount, then you take it. If you want to hold it and you think you can grow it 10, 10 times larger over the next few years, then you hold it. You do whatever you want. You sound like a very in-the-moment kind of guy. I like that. In the sense of you think forward in the future, but at the same time, you're about living in the now or at least acting on what feels right to you. So, Yes, it's all numbers and analysis. Whatever makes the most logical sense is what you typically do. So do you have any favorite books or anything that you'd recommend to people that are starting out and making their way up somewhere to help them get ahead in this game any fa- any further, any faster? Uh, so there's books on tape and go find books by CEOs or the life stories of entrepreneurs and just learn from them. Because entrepreneurship, the concepts of business, the fundamentals haven't changed really over the last like hundred years. What Rockefeller did is still very applicable to today, right? So if you can mm-hmm. learn from these people and learn from their mistakes, you're much more likely to succeed. So do you have any of your own favorite books, though? Like, what are your top three favorite books on your collection? I don't do too many books myself. I don't really have a collection of books. What I do is, like, I'll turn on, like, the History Channel or, like, watch documentaries of uh, entrepreneurs. Like, I watch a documentary on the Titans of America, like, how they pretty much compete against each other, you know, uh, grew their business, et cetera. Got it. Okay. 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 Um, so is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't asked you, Neil? I think you pretty much have everything. Well, I mean, I appreciate your time. We have more time available, but I've honestly, I've gone through all the questions and that's where I'm at. Kind of not really sure what else to ask you. We've got you here in the cusp of, of anything. I mean, you seem to be very, well, what lessons did you learn through KISS Metrics? That's probably a good one to ask. And when your time, time with biggest, KISS Metrics and- The biggest right. lesson I ended up learning was a few things. One, free is very powerful. Having a free tool, free product really helps. Two, don't take mobile for granted. Even though a lot of money is not there, everything is moving towards mobile. And three, don't take for granted losses. So a lawsuit really screwed up that company. Uh, when we were running it, like it would have been much larger if we didn't have a class action lawsuit. And we got through it fine, but little lawsuits can really derail a company. And four, make sure you're building products based on what consumers want. We spent a year and a million dollars building a product that no one really cared to use, and we just wasted the money. That is a waste. I've been in a mastermind where a guy had the exact same scenario. They'd spent $900,000 developing the product, and they were saying, we got 100000 left. We have to market it. What do we do? And then everyone in the room was like, you should have done the exact opposite. What would you do? Like, again, how do you validate an idea then? What would you say to someone who feels like they might be in danger of having done that, built something that no one wants? Check out a book called The Lean Startup by Eric Reese. Follow it to the T. Build a minimal viable product. Get it out. Keep iterating. Get feedback. So it was a lean startup, right? That's correct, yes. Got it, okay. Now what about Crazy Egg? 
I guess with all the click data that you know about on-page formats and that, is there any sort of layout that, you know, is there a, a wireframe that's ideal for anyone to start with? Anything that's coming out of that business? It varies a lot per business. And even though we have a lot of crazy data, we can't look at it. Like our customers' data is their data. We can't just go in and say, ah, oh, this is what's working for you. We should copy that, right? So. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Got it. Well, Neil, I don't know. I guess unless there's anything else I should ask you, I feel, yeah, you've really given us a lot of value. And I love just the core kind of no-nonsense part of it as well. I mean, I have a, fa- a favorite quote of mine is, hard work will always beat talent when talent refuses to, hard work, uh, to work hard. And it sounds like that's just a lot of what you've done. You're just like, dude, I'm in the trenches. I'm just doing it, you know, and then just listen to people and building more. Um, do you believe in... Do you believe in a four-hour work week? Do you believe in kind of retiring and kicking up on the beach? Is that what you're chasing all this money for? Nah, I just love what I'm doing. How did you? When did you figure out that this is what you wanted to spend the rest of your life doing and the rest of your time doing? Well, the way I look at it is as I keep progressing in business and I blogging and just trying to grow the software companies, I'm really having fun. So as long as I'm having fun, why not work? Work doesn't seem like work. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I love. Do you know Alan Watts at all? I do. I just well, yeah. his I listen to a lot of his stuff, like uh, you know, what if uh, money was no object? That's a great yeah. video yeah. by him, and he talks about if money wasn't any issue in your life, what would you do? But he has like a lot of really great videos. One of the best philosophers out there. Yeah, you know, I he definitely is uh, a man after my own heart. I've I've been fortunate enough to travel the world and study a lot of different religions and I feel like Alan, Alan Watts, W A T T S for any listener, he just he's just he's done the same thing and he's just very, very, very articulate in the way he expresses it. So that's interesting. That's good to know. What other things outside of business stuff? Do you feel that you learn business lessons from outside of like watching documentaries and business books? Do you get inspiration from elsewhere? Um just people around me, friends doing cool stuff. That's mainly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're in the trenches, just go, go, go. Any tips for scaling? Anyone who's having growing pains through scaling as someone who's been there and done that before? The thing with scaling is you just solve one section of the funnel or the process or sales process, whatever it may be at a time. So in your organization, if marketing, sales, and engineering, all these things are issues, just tackle one at a time and just get through it and then keep moving on. Was there ever a time that you wanted to give up, like you thought it was all going to implode on you? When I was a little kid, so I was like, oh, I'm losing a lot of money, not making enough money, maybe I should just go get a job. But I kept that. I was like, yeah, I'm young. I'm not even 21. What else do I have to do? Got it. I don't even know if that matters. I mean, talk about Alan Watts. I mean, when he talks about philosophy of life, he's like, the purpose of life is to just live. Like, that's it. Like, you've already attained it. Everyone's running around as if there's something more to achieve beyond being yourself. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I believe that everyone should do whatever makes them happy. If traveling the world and living out of a backpack makes you happy, then figure out how to do that. If mm-hmm. running a business makes you happy and that's what you want to experience in life, then go do that. Yeah, no, Alan's such a smart guy. And you're right. I mean, life is short, and at the end of the day, you can't take it with you, right? I saw a great speech for Denzel Washington, a bunch of students at UCI, and that's what he was saying. He's like, I've been blessed to make hundreds of millions of dollars, but I can't take it with me. And so I think that's a really powerful lesson, the fact that life is short, it's also long. And so I guess it should be spent doing what you love. And I love even what you said, you're doing what you're doing and you're good at it. 
because you love doing it and you're just pursuing your vision of excellence at what you do. And it doesn't matter, you know, let other people decide whether you're working or playing, you know, you'll put in the extra effort because you love what you're doing to make that content that much better because the other people who don't love it as much, they're just going to drop off. So I really like that. That's, did your parents teach you that philosophy? Where did you get that philosophy? Is that just something you innately knew growing up? Yeah. My parents didn't teach me. I just learned it along, you know, my journey. Do you have a long line of entrepreneurs in your family or? I do. My mom was one. My uncles are uh, all entrepreneurs. So it runs in the family. Does it? Got it. What kind of businesses? Are they all very software oriented or? No, like random stuff like real estate or old people homes or liquor stores or motels or hotels. They all do random stuff. Got it. Those are all big businesses. I know you say random, but those are all big industries. Liquor, real estate, retirement homes. (laughs) That's smart. So at least your family's got something uh, pace for them. What do they think about what you're doing? They like it. So I don't even think a lot of them really know what I do, but they like it. (laughs) They like it. They just know that you're happy, right? Yeah, I'm happy and I'm doing all right. So they just let me do my thing. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So what are you doing now? What are you focused on? Do you have any goals for the next kind of, what's your one to three year goal? Is there a direction you're heading in and something you'd like to accomplish and say you've done? Um, just want to keep growing the businesses. That's it. Like I don't really have a big goal that I'm trying to hit. Got it. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. So, if anyone in this call has been listening in and they like want to get some of your best stuff and they want to hear some of this, uh, you know, want to get in touch with you, what would you direct them to? I'll just tell them to go to like quicksprout.com or neilpatel.com. And what's some of the favorite viral stuff that you've created? Because you've done a lot. I mean, there's the definitive guide to conversion optimization. Go to quicksprout.com slash blog and check out all the guides. Got it, got it, got it. Once again, that was quicksprout, Q-U-I-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T. Dot com slash blog, you said? You can see all of Neil Patel's stuff there. He's got some great content, some amazing stuff. He definitely does put out some world-class stuff. And, yeah, you experiment a lot. And sometimes you have big wins, like with info infographics. I think you were kind of the major proponent behind that on the Internet, weren't you? Wasn't that kind of – you were the one that really kind of made those popular, brought those into trend, into style. Isn't, is that correct? Yes, I was one that probably pushed infographics more than anyone else. Yeah, because you were making some really awesome ones, and they just took off and were really viral. And probably just using the same strategy you mentioned at the beginning of the call. I mean, for the people listening to this, you know, I think if there's anything to really pick up from this call is that there's no magic room. It's a lot of hard work. It's about following something that you love, and it's about trying to take care of people. And I guess one thing I really like that you said is it's about solving one problem at a time and just trying to make sure that you're having fun. It's a really good philosophy, and that's a really good outlook to have. So, um yeah, Neil, before we sign up, is there anything that you would like to add or anything that I should have asked you about that I haven't? Um, no, I think we've pretty much covered it all. Got it. Good. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's definitely an honor and a pleasure. And uh, just thank you so much. And I wish you and your family and loved ones all the best. Thank you very much. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? 
Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.